You got the call. Welcome to the big leagues, kid. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the call-up presented by Triple Play Fantasy. We are in week two of this series where we now have a lot more games to have a larger sample size of in terms of players that are doing some great things in the minor leagues. Last week, I believe we had four guys, something like that, that we were talking about, and they all got called up to the majors. It was something ridiculous like that. We were really on point, and I don't know if that's going to be the case here every week where we can get that many players to get that type of bump, but we definitely are in tune with who is doing good stuff at the minor league level, and guys, you should keep an eye on here. You guys know the drill. Joined by Michael Richards and Vinny, a.k.a. Down on the Farm. Mike, how you doing? Doing good, Mendy and Vinny. Glad to be here with you guys as always. Uh, you know, like you said, we got a bigger sample size to go from. There's some players that we discussed last week that are still doing really good. And like you said, call up. So we were in midseason form last week, uh, Vinny especially. So looking forward to the coming weeks to see the names that we were pulling out here. Vinny, how you doing? I'm doing good. My boy Zach Meadow is now playing, you know, in the majors, which is awesome to see. And now we're starting, we're deep enough into the season now, we're starting to see all the, the breakouts for this season. So, you know, there's a lot of names to start keeping eyes on. Vinny, I don't think I've ever seen you without your hat on. This is new no. to me. This is first time, no hat. Did you just like take a shower and just want like the hair yeah. to air out a little bit? Or yeah, It's pretty hot. We have some bad thunderstorms over here, so it's very humid. So I did not feel like putting on a hat right now. All right, very fair. Usually you have to pay for that type of content here, so... Uh, Vinny giving it out for free as well as these players that we're going to talk about today. And of course, week two of our show, The Call, always starts out with our players of the week. And kicking it off here with our first guy in, uh, I believe that's is that Junior. I always get blocked by the yeah. live. Junior Caminero of the Tampa Bay Rays, shortstop prospect for them in 21 plate appearances this year. Hitting 476, 542, 952, slashed three home runs, nine RBIs so far this season. And uh, he's doing it all at single A at age 19. So, Vinny, we're starting off with this guy. Obviously, the numbers look great. Talk to us about Junior and what you're seeing from him. Yeah, no big surprise. The Tampa Bay Rays have another big infield prospect. You know, these guys just love turning out gems after gems after gems. But yeah. Coming into the season, I was kind of bullish on Caminero because I watched a lot of him last year when he was with um, uh, uh, Charleston. And I just really didn't see what everyone was really getting hyped about. And his jump to high A this year has been absolutely incredible, phenomenal, almost kind of Wander Franco-esque if I were to compare the early success. Like we're talking about another... Uh, you know, shortstop slash maybe third baseman. He can move there with, you know, a plus hit plus power and maybe could dabble with some plus speed. Uh, defensively, he's nothing too spectacular. He's definitely bat first. 
but he's very, very toolsy. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see him, you know, even move to probably even get some run at the outfield. If he really starts to kick it up here, we could probably see him in double A by June. I, I would already guarantee he's, uh, he's already a top 100 prospect. He's probably going to end the year either near or above uh, below top 50. Like, it might be too late to get in on Junior Camonero, but uh, I would try and get him because he's looking like uh, the real deal pretty early. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. If they have Wander Franco entrenched at shortstop there, you know, for the foreseeable future, he's going to obviously have to play a different position. And you think outfield would probably be better suited than something like second base? Yeah, I, like I said, he could literally move anywhere. So even third base, I could see him playing. Like, they're going to find a spot for him because his bat looks pretty insane. Yeah, I want to throw in too. This is one of my favorite teenage prospects. I think he's even going to get higher than top 50. I think people were just waiting to see this. And I think the rankers are going to have him in the top 25. And I do think he's a big guy. I've seen a picture with him next to Vlad Jr. And he's actually taller than him and he's got a big frame. So I definitely see him being more of a third base uh, corner outfielder type down the road. All right. That's a name to keep in your back pocket there if you haven't already heard of him, Junior Caminero. Our next player here, Evan Carter of the Texas Rangers. He's right now in double A at 20 years of age, just under 60 plate appearances this year, hitting almost 400. He's got three bombs, 15 RBIs, and even three steals here with a 238 ISO. So it seems like he's got a lot of power in his bat. And the Texas Rangers, they're building a really nice young team here, Mike. This could be somebody that could be a big part of their future. Yeah, I wanted to talk about Evan Carter early this season. This was one of the players that I put on our episode with the top five risers from last year. And he was kind of stood out because I don't think people were in on him like some of the other names, but I'm just very confident in this kid and he's showing it to me right now. I, I think I said on that last episode, he'll be a three, four, five type slash guy in the upper levels. He's always been young for his level. He's like six foot four. He profiles right now as an, a, like a ridiculous leadoff hitter, but I think he could get into more power that's going to be what's what's going to determine whether or not he becomes like a, a three-hole type of guy. But I think he's got a very fantasy-friendly game. He's always had really high walk rates. He doesn't strike out too much. And he's got a plus hit tool with plus speed. So it's really just a matter of what kind of power. And we're starting to see some of that. Like you said, the 238 ISO, it's not ridiculous power, but that is legitimate power. So I think we could be looking at a guy that's a 2020 type threat down the road, leading off with a high average and high OBP. And that's really coveted in fantasy. I think this guy's going to be a top 10 prospect by the end of the season. So if you are playing in leagues where people don't see him like that right now, I would get in on him. And I think you're going to really like what happens over the next year. Mike, you know, it's, I always like asking you specifically, does he have a chance come September to be a September call up? Because right now, the fact that he's already doing this at double a and the fact that the Rangers you know, they have some offense, but you could have question marks around some of their the spots in their lineup. Does he get the call at some point this year? I'd say it's under 50% because he is a 20-year-old, but there's definitely a chance. You know, the way teams are moving their top prospects at this, at this stage, you know, he could definitely see a September call-up if he just tears through AA and AAA this year. I think more realistically, he's probably an early to mid-season call-up next year that people are kind of coveting going after spending fab on. So if you can stash him now in dynasty or even target him late in drafts next year, I just think it's going to return a lot of good things for you. All right. That's Evan Carter of the Texas Rangers. 
Our next player here, Jonathan Classe of the Seattle Mariners, outfield prospect for them. 21 plate appearances this year. He's got a 467 batting average, and he's slugging 1,000. He's got three homers and six RBIs, five doubles. So eight, at least eight extra base hits so far this season in high A at 20 years of age here. So talk to us here, Vinny. The Mariners are, again, a team that is always on this show because of how many great prospects they have in their system. This is the first time I've seen his name come across our screen, though, I believe. Maybe I could be wrong, uh, but tell us a little bit about Jonathan Classe. No, Classe, we've talked about Classe many times. No, that's my short-term memory loss then. I'm a big Jonathan Classe stan right now. Like, we're talking about, you know, a hitter that has potentially, you know, he has maybe above average speed to maybe plus on top. We saw last year him show signs of double plus power this year, but he's starting to put it all all together. We're seeing the contact come together. We're seeing the power come together. We're seeing the speed come together. He is a shorter stature guy. He's, you know, 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, so, you know, he's always going to be a little, you know, on the on the downside of, you know, prospectum. People aren't going to be that involved with him due to his body and his frame. But what he's showing right now in his jump to high A, it's looking like, you know, this kid's going to probably be in double A by, you know, the end of June, maybe even earlier than that. And we're, if he's, I know he, he's on my top 100 dynasty prospect list right now. After what he's doing right now, give it another week. I would not be surprised if he's all over people's, you know, this year is one of the biggest breakout prospects and make a huge jump. Like we're talking potentially kind of like, uh, I can't think of his name, but we could definitely see him rise very high with a push because he's in the Seattle organization. He's a part of uh, he's a part of a line of prospects up there in high A that are about to explode. Now, the fact that he's obviously an outfield prospect for them, you know, Julio Rodriguez is locked in that outfield. Jared Kelnick, if he continues to play at the level he is, you know, maybe he's part of their long-term plans. Maybe he isn't. Uh, do you think he's the type of prospect that they would look to trade someone at the major league level to give him a chance as opposed to him being a trade ship to get like starting pitching Vinny? Yeah, I would say he's, if you look at all of the like uh, team rankings, he's pretty low, but that's because it's a very deep system with Seattle. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of good talent ahead of him, but if he were to get traded to like any other organization, he's easily a top 10 prospect for another team. Like the, the tools are so advanced for such a, for such a young age. Like it, yeah, he's easily could find himself on another team come the deadline. And this is, I want to throw in, this is, the, this is one of the most legitimate speed threats in the minor leagues. Like I think he's going to steal 40, 50 bases if he becomes a regular player in the major leagues. So really you're looking at with him is the development of the power and how much he strikes out. So mm-hmm. if he can get that strikeout rate, keep that strikeout rate in check and, and shows real power, which he's, He's starting to show power this season that we haven't seen before. He's going to be really coveted in fantasy because of his elite speed. Yeah. We're talking like Corbin Carroll type of speed with Jonathan Classe. All right. He's got nine stolen bases so far on the season and just over 50 plate appearances. So I can definitely see what you guys are saying there. Our next player, Tyler Black of the Milwaukee Brewers in double A at 22 years of age. 38 plate appearances so far this season. He's got a 259 batting average, but a 474 OBP, 
three home runs, six RBIs, and six stolen bases, and a 370 ISO, not to mention a minuscule 13.2% K rate here. I don't, I'm not familiar with Tyler Black as well as some other prospects I see us talk about on the show. So, Michael, what is his ceiling and what do you think he could contribute uh, to fantasy owners here? Yeah, you said a lot of things there. I mean, that he's had a great season so far. He's putting up uh, the kind of stats I want to see in virtually every category other than, I guess, batting average, but that's just, it's so early. Uh, this is a guy who was drafted 33rd overall in the latest draft. And he was kind of a second, third, like kind of an afterthought during first year player drafts. He's had some injury concerns, but he's got, he's listed with a plus hit tool and plus speed. So it's really just what kind of power is going to come. I think he profiles as a pretty good leadoff hitter. They have self relic there, but he's, he's a guy. I don't think, I don't think he's going to strike out very much. I think he's going to have some level of power. I don't think he's got a huge upside. But uh, this is a very promising start because he's still relatively young. He doesn't have a ton of professional experience. And we, we didn't get to see him fully go at it last year because of his injuries. So I think he's better than we we gave him credit for coming out of the draft. I think these early numbers are showing that. Uh, as I said, I don't think this is a huge upside player. I think he needs. I think he hits the ball on the ground a little bit too much. But I do think there is potential in his bat because of his plus hit tool. And he'll probably have above average speed once he's a pro. I don't think he's going to be a guy stealing 30, 40 bases or anything, but his hit tool is going to allow him to get to 20 home runs if he changes his swing path a little bit. And I've just seen this happen with a lot of players. Like this is a legitimate hit tool guy and Milwaukee's a great park to hit. If the coaching does the right thing. And I think Tyler Black's the kind of player who can do this. I think he's going to be a really good fantasy player down the road. So he's cheap right now. He's not super sexy, but he's a, he's a good player. And I like targeting him right now in all types of dynasty leagues. All right. That's Tyler Black of the Milwaukee Brewers. Our next player we're going to talk about on this list here. We're going to get to our first pitcher of the season. Uh, now that we have a little bit more of a sample size and it's Frank Mazzucato of the Kansas City Royals, a lefty six innings so far this season. He's got 13 strikeouts, no runs allowed, three walks and four hits. Uh, I'm sorry, that's just in his uh, the past week. Overall in the season, 11 innings, still has not given up a run. He's got under one whip, 20 strikeouts. Uh, now, Vinny, this is the first pitcher talked about on the show, so he's got to be special, and you feel like this guy is the deserving title in Frank Mazzucato. Yeah, Mazzucato, he probably sounds familiar. familiar. He was like the biggest mind-blowing pick of the 2021 draft. He went seventh overall to the Kansas City Royals. Uh, last year, it was an up-and-down road for him. He did not have a season that he really, you know, one to really care about. He had a plus-four ERA. Uh, his strikeouts, he had 100 under strike uh, under 100 strikeouts. He got hit up a lot, gave up a lot of runs. Uh, I watched him a lot last year. He just wasn't putting it together. This year, he looks like a completely different pitcher, not even the same player. You can tell he's gotten bigger. He's put on some muscle. He's, you know, two, three miles per hour higher on velocity. But you're talking about a starting left-handed pitcher here with three plus pitches and borderline plus command. You know, you could say he's a little, you know, a little old for, you know, low A, but he is repeating it. And so far, no one can touch him. Um, he controls the zone very well. He's not afraid to ambush hitters with his breaking balls. You know, he looks like a lot. He can, he looks a lot like, um, he kind of reminds me a lot of Blake Walston 
coming out of uh, the 19 draft with the Diamondbacks. Like just the ability to not uh, frame wise, but just absolutely being able to command his own and have like the type of presence on the mound. But like right now, I guarantee you, you can get him for very cheap. If not, he's on the waiver wires. I would go stash this kid because one more start like this, I there's no way he's not being promoted to high A quad cities. And we know Kansas City does need pitching to develop pitching. Even guys that we thought would have success at the middle, like Brady Singer, who's struggled so far this year. Bubich looked really good, but he's hurt. Um, just go on and on, Brad Keller. So if he's doing well, maybe they'll be aggressive and keep promoting him. Uh, I'm, maybe it's crazy to say he would debut this year, but it sounds like somebody that could fast rise through this system and be somebody maybe on your radar in 2024. But very excited to watch him continue to rise up through the system in Kansas City as well as Andrew Abbott of the Cincinnati Reds, who is also a lefty, and he is in double A. Uh, I think this might be one of the first pitching prospects we've talked about for the Cincinnati Reds. We talk about so many of their amazing hitting prospects, you know, Ellie De La Cruz or Noel V. Marte, the list goes on and on. Uh, but he's in double A, 115 ERA. He's got a .42 XFIP and 36 Ks in those 15.2 innings. I would like to know, Mike, what's his stuff look like? Is he a, a just guy with a lot of velocity? Is his breaking pitches really good? What makes him so dominant? Yeah, Andrew Abbott's really interesting. He kind of got off to a really hot start like this last year in, in high A and then slowed down a little bit. Uh, looking at his scouting grades, he doesn't have, he has an average fastball, uh, plus curveball, uh, below average changeup, and below average command. I don't agree, necessarily agree with those. But this isn't necessarily the type of guy who's going to blow you away with the big fastball. I do think his numbers right now are not a true indication of his actual skill, which is the case for any pitcher because these numbers are absurd. 64% strikeout percentage with a 5% walk percentage. I mean, obviously, that's not going to sustain, but I don't know that I've ever seen that doing the show in the last two years, that that big of a gap in even the early season. So He's definitely been the most dominant pitcher in the minor leagues. I do think he's going to be called up to AAA as soon as his next start. And I do think he'll become an option for the Reds later this year. Their rotation outside of their young guys, Green and Lodolo and, and Graham Ashcraft, I think those spots are open for grabs. And Abbott, to me, is definitely going to be a guy who gets a legit chance at taking one of those. He might not be a huge player for fantasy this season, but next year I could see him kind of you know, making a leap kind of like Ashcraft has and just be a guy that people are interested in. So again, this isn't a huge strikeout guy. I mean, it's not a huge fastball guy, but he's got the stuff he, and, and I, I, I gotta be honest, I haven't looked in deeply enough to see what he's doing to come mm -hmm. up with these kind of results, but I do expect this to scale back a little bit. I don't think this is a true indication of how good he is, but, but this start is phenomenal. So uh, I would definitely pick him up in any league he's available where pitching is part of your league at this point, just for to see how far he can take this. All right, Andrew Abbott, I'm very excited to continue to watch him develop. I, like you mentioned, Mike, I love the Reds one through three, like uh, the way that they've developed them. You know, they locked in Hunter Green. I'm sure they'll lock up Nick Lodolo, Graham Ashcraft, really uh, adding velocity and, you know, working with that new slider grip that he has. 
Like I, I think the Reds are building something that's going to be very exciting. I see again all the young hitting that they have coming up. We didn't even mention Christian Encarnacion Strand, who was a favorite going into this year. Uh, I, I just love what they're doing, and they're that team that I think that's going to be very competitive in a couple of years. And it sounds like Andrew Abbott will be at the forefront in that pitching rotation. Let's talk now some notable promotions, players that just got the call, and boy, oh boy, were there a lot. Zach Neto of the Los Angeles Angels aggressively promoted from double-A. He had two doubles last night uh, in uh, their game against the Yankees, so maybe starting to find his stride. Brandon Fatt was just called up today when they designated Madison Bumgarner for assignment. Brett Beatty finally for the New York Mets. I believe we all said he would probably be up by our next show, and sure enough, he was. Mason Miller, who... Some have compared to be the next Spencer Strider this season or the closest thing to it. Uh, looks absolutely electric in AAA. Uh, had five innings and 11 strikeouts in his only AAA start and then came up and had his big league debut. Four and a third innings, two earned runs, five strikeouts, but looks very promising for the Oakland Athletics. And Brian Rocchio of the Cleveland Guardians, he is somebody that I did not get to see too much of yet, but uh, Cleveland, I love what they do with their prospects, and I'm sure he's going to be a big part of their team this season. Uh, again, so many great young players are getting their chance at the big leagues, and it is very exciting. Now let's talk about prospect watch, players that we're kind of keeping an eye on maybe in the lower minor leagues and that you might not have heard of yet or know very little of. And let's kick things off with, <laughs> there goes the live block. And is it John? Uh, Ryan. Ryan, Clifford. Ryan, uh, yeah, I can't see because the uh, the live blocks it. Ryan Clifford of the Houston Astros, outfielder in single A for them. He's got a 389 batting average and 50 plate appearances this season. One home run and one stolen base. Uh, again, we're going and digging deep here, Vinny. Why did you nominate Mr. Clifford for this category? Well, Clifford, Ryan Clifford is off to a very hot start this season. Um, you know, he was last year's draft. He was one of those high school hitters that was very questionable if he was going to even, you know, be drafted. He had a lot of signability concerns. The Astros ended up drafting him in the 11th round and paying him a substantial amount to not go to college. But yeah, off to a very hot start. He's looking like, uh, he's looking like all of the scouting reports on him are completely wrong. Because uh, they, they, all the reports had questionable, uh, uh, questionable hit tool for him. But what I've seen so far in his limited run right now is he's probably one of the most advanced hitters at the A level. Like he, there is no like there is no fooling him right now. Like the strikeouts are all on you know breaking balls in the dirt and stuff like that. But if it's in the zone, he is barreling it up right now. We're talking about. A, a kid that could potentially have 55, 55 hit and power. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Tyler Soderstrom, mm -hmm. like same, same kind of frame, same kind of just absolute approach at the plate. Uh, defensively, I don't know where he's going to be right now. He's uh, he's an out corner outfielder for them, but he can play first base. But if he keeps on this hot tear, I could easily see them rushing him up as an outfielder. Like, I would not be surprised if, again, if he's not in low A much longer. He has just absolutely brutalized the pitching. I'm just – the thing I really want to watch is I want to see how he transitions to high A because mm -hmm. this could just be he's older than the level and this is just all fluke. 
But if he continues this in high A, there's no way he's not a top 100 prospect come the end of the season. And, and you know, surprise, another Houston hits on another late draft pick. <laughs> but yeah, like he's like there was a few guys that I had for this, you know, this prospect watch and just going back and watching some of his at bats just absolutely blew me away. All right, the John Clifford of the Houston Astros. Keep an eye on him in single A for them. Guy with a really cool name, Jet Williams of the New York Mets. Shortstop prospect for them. He's 19 years old in single A. 48 plate appearances, a 226-500-419 slash line. He's got two steals and a homer, 22.9% K rate. So the numbers definitely are not going to jump off the page, uh, but Mike does a lot of really good work digging into these really young guys here, and he's somebody that a lot of you like myself probably are not too familiar with or ever heard of here. So besides the numbers, Mike, talk to us about what makes Jet Williams so special. Yeah, well, Jet Williams was a first-round pick in this last draft. We talked about him a little bit on the first-year player draft episodes, and I, our boy James Anderson picked him, I think, 10th overall in that draft. And so Dynasty people are pretty aware of him. And, and like you said, the, the numbers so far don't jump off the page. I kind of had a difficulty. Vinny said he had multiple guys. I had trouble finding a guy in the lower levels to highlight here, but I just wanted to kind of double down on this kid. When I was looking through the draft stuff, he has – a plus hit tool and double plus speed. And there wasn't anyone from the prep ranks who had that sort of stuff going on other than Drew Jones. And so they're, they're, they question his size. They question what kind of power he's going to get into. I think he's got more power than people think it's, it's like strong. He's like, he's small, but he's strong. It's like Dustin Pedroia or something. I, I just think there's hmm. going to be a lot of fantasy relevance to his game. I just love the hit tool and speed combination He's never going to be a huge power guy, but he's it's not going to be a zero power situation. He's going to get double digit. He's going to be a legit speed threat. And I think he's going to be helpful with the batting average. I don't think we've seen his full potential there yet, you know, but we're seeing little flashes here with the 25% walk rate and, you know, 183 WRC plus, you know, posting that without having big numbers around him. It just shows the kind of potential he has uh, when you have guys who can put up big WRC pluses who also have elite speed. That's fantasy gold right there. So I just wanted to highlight him early. You know, I, I don't like to chase after prospects when they're always super hot and everyone's talking about them. There's going to be a moment this year where Jet Williams is that hot guy that everyone's talking about. And I just think you should target him in every type of Roto league and just, just keep waiting on him because people will always criticize the size. They did the same thing with Corbin Carroll. So uh, this is this is a guy that I want to have on my teams, and I think everyone listening should as well. All right, that's Jet Williams of the New York Mets. Let's get to our last section of the night, and that's our who's next players that we have a gut feeling could be next to be called up to the big leagues. If you're in you know, a redraft league and you're looking the waiver wire for some impact players that could help your fantasy team this season, these would be some guys to look at. And Tyler Solstrom of the... Oakland Athletics is going to be the first one we're talking about here. First baseman in AAA, 273 batting average and 62 plate appearances. He's got three bombs. The Oakland Athletics don't have very much. And I love Brent Rooker, but Brent Rooker is hitting cleanup for them right now. So they they need some bats. Estere Ruiz has been playing really well for them at the leadoff spot, but uh, they definitely need, <laughs> as Mike dances behind the camera, uh, but they need some players that can give their lineup a little bit more thump and 
Vinny, this could be one of those guys for that lineup. Yeah. If we're talking the moves they've made in the past two weeks, we've seen, you know, Mason Miller and we just saw Jordan Diaz a few days ago. Like there is nothing they could protect. There's nothing they could do right now to hurt them more than they're already hurting themselves. If we're talking about this season, like Tyler Soderstrom is showing improvement from last year when he was in AAA. We're seeing him be more selective at the plate. We're seeing him be more patient at the plate. We're seeing a little bit more power. Like he's, he's hot right now. There's, there's no harm in you know calling him up just to have a little taste of the majors like mm-hmm. there's there's literally nothing they could do to like hurt themselves more like he i wouldn't be surprised if they, he called up and he is stays with the team the rest of the year like he's that advanced of a bat that he could easily help that lineup like today you know mm-hmm. maybe he doesn't bat you know top 5 in an order but maybe he's like the 6 7 but there's enough thump in that bat to really change that lineup in Oakland right now. And, you know, he's just sitting there wasting away in AAA at this point. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Uh, I think – I don't know what they're doing. If I was a fan of the Oakland Athletics, I think I, – I don't even know if I'd go to games. Uh, he's the type of guy that should already have been called up if you want to see what the young talent that you have – uh, they're not, uh, they're what, like three and 13, three and 14, something ridiculous like that. They, I, I'm going to make a bold prediction on April 20th, 2023, that they will be the worst team in the history of baseball this year. Well, I wonder that's, what that record would be like 40 that, wins or something. That's very, you know what, as we go through our last player, I'm going to look that up really quick. Okay. Uh, Mike, talk about Matthew Libertor, a player that Many are familiar with. He's even got some big league experience, but he's looked really good this year. Yeah, Matthew Libertori, uh, I, I think he's close. The Cardinals have some openings in the back of the rotation. So, like again, like I said with Brett Beatty, I could see him being called up before we do our show next week. But the big story about Libertori is his increased velocity on multiple pitches. And he's always kind of been had one of those elite curveballs but he's increased his velocity on his fastball. I checked it earlier. It was like one, uh, almost two miles an hour, increased his velocity 2.4 miles an hour on uh, his curveball, three miles an hour on a sinker. So I, I don't know what's going on here, but he's revamped his whole thing. He's turned into a much more weaponized pitcher. And, and this is a guy that I've always kind of liked going back. Like he's always been young. He was originally on the Rays and he got traded to the Cardinals. And he's kind of struggled last year because he was young for the level. He was a 21-year-old at one point in AAA. And he didn't put up big numbers because his fastball was kind of getting hammered. But he's made those improvements. So I think this is like legitimate here. I think these are legitimate improvements that could carry and help him be a better pitcher in the major leagues. This is a guy that being on the Cardinals is a great place to pitch for. So, you know, I'm definitely interested in him when he makes gets called up. I actually stashed him in the one league I could last week because I think he's going to be one of those guys that people spend possible triple digits on Fab when he gets the call. So, uh, I'm definitely in on him this year, especially with the team context and his improvements overall. And I should also point out uh, his pitches, according to I think Baseball Savant. It, mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to remember the names. It was it was Max Freed and someone else, another really good pitcher. Like there. These improvements right here with his all his pitches and all his velocity increases could really put Libertori into a, a different tier of pitcher and become a really, really good like number two starter in the majors. So just keep that in mind. I'd even target him right now if he's 
if he's on a team that pe- someone's not in love with him at this stage. Yeah, quick little uh, add in here. I've seen Libertor when I saw him when he was at the Under Armour game. I've seen him at Low A. I've seen him at Double A. Uh, I see uh, watching him debut last year and comparing him to how he's pitching right now. Complete different pitcher. He does not look the same. You can tell that he in the offseason worked on refining his stuff. You know, he added some velocity. He looks a little bigger too. Like he bulked up. We're talking if he comes up, he could potentially have a, you know, Nick Lodolo esque type of season. Mm. Like when he came up with the Reds, like he could easily surplant uh, and become next year their opening day starter, their number one. Like he has that kind of upside. I love it. I, I mean, I, I will be honest. He was somebody I was kind of very sour on because he, you know, didn't seem like he had an elite fastball and, and kind of got batted around a little bit in the early part of his major league career. But um, people can always change, reinvent themselves. And uh, he's definitely looking like a, a very nice uh, addition to the back end of that Seattle, uh, St. Louis rotation with how he's pitched. I'm sure he's going to be called up sooner rather than later. So I mean, that's a good pick for this section here as well. And for those that are wondering the worst record, I did look it up. Are we going to go in since 1900? Or are we going to go like way back? Because if we go back into the 1800s, there was a team, the Cleveland Spiders, that had a 20 and 134 record. Um, let's, which, let's do 1900. Okay, so <laughs> I think they win more than 20 games. Yeah, so in the 1900s, the worst record of all time is in 1916, the Philadelphia Athletics had a 36 and 117 record. The Boston Braves in 1935 had a 38 and 115 record. That's the next closest after that. I I think Oakland has a legit chance of getting there or being in the mix. Like that's the kind of record I see them having by the end. Yeah, I do not see them having more than 60 wins unless you know they do call up some of these prospects and they get off to like very hot tears. But yeah, like I would I would be hitting the under 60 wins this season. Well, I mean, if that's is that the line 60 wins. Yeah, I'll do 60. Oh, my God. I would <laughs> smash that. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, We're, I could see them finishing in, like, the mid-50s, but I don't see them going anywhere ahead of 60. Oh, Vinny, I, I think even lower. I'm saying yeah. under 50. Saying lower. Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to say they, they finish, like, in the mid to high 40s is my prediction. Yep. Like, uh, okay, do you guys remember 2003, how bad that Tigers team was? Do you guys remember their record? This, this is the most recent example of a team that was really bad. Weren't they in the 40s, right? 43 and 119. Do we have over or under 43 and 119? I'm going to go over. under just to, I'm going <laughs> to say under 43 because I'm, I'm liking the idea of them being the worst team ever. <laughs> And that's that's one hell of a way to go out in Oakland too, being the worst record ever. Yep. Because you know that supposedly they're going to Vegas now, so you know that's one way to leave Oakland. That right now, I mean, it's funny because they do worst record by winning percentage, and Oakland is number two right now, only behind eighteen ninety nine and Cleveland Spiders in winning percentage. Obviously, it's only nineteen games, but that that's where they have them ranked right now. It'll be interesting. Forty three wins is going to be the thing I'm going to watch because that's the worst team since i've watched baseball yeah so, and they don't have they don't have a lot of help coming like they've already kind of brought up their best prospects too and it's not going to change what's happening so mm-hmm. yeah i highly doubt tyler soderstrom and zach galoff you know bump them <laughs> 22 wins so i'm um, yeah they're, they're in trouble love their jerseys but 
do not like the organization. Um, if you guys are enjoying the call, make sure you guys are liking the video and subscribe to the Triple Play Fantasy YouTube channel so you never miss when we drop these weekly. If you want to make sure you hear more prospect talk from these two, you can follow them on Twitter at MPRichards1981 for Michael and at Down on the Farm 8 for Vinny. Vinny also has a Discord that you can check out too if you want to talk to him there, linked in his profile. Uh, and if you guys are enjoying this on the podcast feed, make sure you guys leave a five-star review. Make sure you guys leave a comment uh, there saying you know how much you're enjoying the call up and if there's any players you've picked up because of these guys that's also really cool we also we've had somebody call Vinny a, a time traveler because of the amount that he's picked correctly here so uh if you like this show these guys some love because they're putting in a lot of work here each every single week uh, but that's going to do it for Vinny for Mike I'm David we'll catch you guys next week on the call up